Oh no, 2002. Sorry, I basically gave my resignation to uh, you know I used to be a database administrator, and I left work and I became a full-time trader CPA. You don't have to learn to trade alone. Welcome to the Trading Lifestyle Podcast, where we interview professional currency traders and industry experts who can help you improve your trading and your life. And now, your host, Hugh Kimura. Hello, traders. This is Hugh Kimura. And in this episode, I was fortunate to be able to sit down with Ronaldo Siriano, a professional trader in the San Francisco Bay Area. I really enjoyed this interview because I got to find out about Ronaldo's psychology, as well as the events in his life that shaped his trading today. Like a couple of the other traders that I interviewed, he had a couple of big setbacks early in his career, and it was interesting to find out how he overcame them. He has also competed at Taekwondo at a very high level, and this is a theme that I see in other traders, especially people like Chris Laurie, who have competed at an Olympic level. So I hope you find this information useful, and here's the interview. Before we get started, I know you've heard this before, but I have to say this. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not investment, trading, or financial advice of any kind. But in this episode, there might be some advice on crocodile wrestling. As you know, Forex or any type of trading is very risky and you could lose all of your money. Seriously. And finally, past performance does not indicate future results. All right, now on to the show. Hey, Ronaldo, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you very much, Hugh. Thank you for the invite. Uh, yeah, um, I found you through a meetup group and um, I was looking at your website and uh, I saw that you had a background in Taekwondo. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, sure. Um, I started uh, Taekwondo when I was uh, 11 and a half and uh, since then, um, actually it's almost like 30 years of doing Taekwondo, um, I got heavily wow. into competition during uh, high school all the way to university. And, um, and got basically more involved in the world-class comp competition. So, uh, and through Taekwondo, this is actually how I ended up being in the U.S. To be honest. Oh, <laughs> cool. How did you get started in trading? Um, I actually uh, started in trading through a workmate of mine, um, and he was checking his stock prices on a day-to-day -day basis using uh, the business newspaper. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, I said, hey, what, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm trading. He said, what does it mean? He said, you know, you buy and you sell stocks. And so I got curious, but uh, the way how I, in terms of my curiosity, I actually offered him some money to invest it for me, but he refused. Mm -hmm. So he told me to do it uh, myself. And um, I firstly, I got involved with real estate and um, with the seminar that I went through through a real estate workshop, they were doing a, uh, a trading workshop as well. Mm -hmm. And then a f close friend of mine basically said, you know, you have a background in physics and mathematics. And um, she said that, you know, that I might like it. So I did uh, sign up for that uh, workshop and I learned how to trade options, basically level two buying puts in calls um, in the year 2000, but I started trading in 1998 um, buying old stocks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's basically how I got started. 
Oh, I see. Okay. So I guess you said you had a background in physics and math, and so you didn't really study this stuff in school, right? No, I didn't. Um, I basically paid, like everybody else, uh, I guess. I didn't learn it from uh, by myself, reading through books or through a DVD. Well, DVD didn't exist during the time. Uh, <laughs> but I went through a weekend seminar uh, that I paid, uh, I think during that time it was like $10,000 um, mm-hmm. for a system that this guy basically learned uh, that he, he actually came here to, to the U.S. and... Um, learned how to trade options and he brought it to Australia and uh, basically I learned it from from this guy um, so I just followed his system followed his methodology um, and I started basically was being consistent just, uh, I guess through the martial arts background through the disciplinary aspect uh, I didn't really put any emotion into it I just basically followed what he said and was being consistent mm-hmm. in 2000 and Three, oh no, 2002. Sorry, I basically gave my resignation order to uh, you know I, I used to be a database administrator, and I left work and I became a full-time trader. Citizen. Oh wow, very cool. On your website, I saw that you trade mostly forex. Is that correct? Uh, yes, and the reason being is because of it uh, has a lot of advantages, mm-hmm. uh, especially through teaching students. Um, mm-hmm. What it what it can do is simply it has the ability to trade on a micro account. So mm-hmm. the way how I advocate members is simply similar to the philosophy of sport, mainly in the martial arts uh, background, that if you want to learn an art, it doesn't matter if you want to learn Taekwondo, Karate, Jiu-Jitsu, Aikido, um, you need to be a, a white belt. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no way that basically beat a black belt through you know, your skills basically below par. <laughs> so the advantage of Forex is similarly where uh, if you're new to the game and you have no skills or the experience or the knowledge, then at least with a micro account you can learn how to trade uh, to be consistent because at the end of the day, the goal is to be consistent, to be a consistent probable trader. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no guarantees that you're going to win because of the uh, dynamics of price of the future. You can mm-hmm. go up, down, or sideways. Very similar to sports. There are no guarantees that you're going to win despite, you know, no matter how hard you train. But of course, if you put time and effort into it, then the success rate of winning will be a little bit more higher. Mm-hmm. But what the way how I see trading simply, we trade on a day-to-day basis, basically at an Olympic level. And mm-hmm. the reason being, I say this maybe like an Olympic level, is because we we're, we're competing against uh, our professional Olympic trader athletes, as I call them. Uh, mm-hmm. These are institutions who have all the resources in the world, all the knowledge, all the skills, mm-hmm. uh, compared to a retail trader who has doesn't have all the resources and if they're just using a two-dimensional chart and cannot even read proper uh, the charts properly mm-hmm. then the odds and probability that the, the trader will lose is highly probable plus mm-hmm. the emotion involved um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of emotionality in trading mm-hmm. like micromanaging the, there's a fear and impatience impulsiveness 
right? So, you know, there's a lot of different factors. So the reason why I use Forex as a vehicle for learning is mainly for the student to learn the process of uh, the process of learning how to make money consistently is mm -hmm. trading. Mm -hmm. Not the other way where uh, I've seen thousands of traders and their number one focus is making money straight away. It doesn't yeah. happen overnight, unfortunately. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if they can share consistency in a micro account, then, then they can go through a mini account. They, they share mm -hmm. consistency on a mini account, then they can now go through a normal standard account. So the way how we see it is very similar. Like Before you can compete at a world-class level, you need to compete at a club level. If you're winning consistently in the club level, then you go through a state championships. You win mm -hmm. a state championships, you go to your state, then you go to a national championships. Your national championships, if you win, then you're representing your own country going through a world-class level, the world championships on an Olympic level. Mm -hmm. So similarly, basically how I see it in trading is simply that if you're consistent using a micro account, it's like on the club level, and you go to a mini account, you go to a national level, and you're consistent and then you go to a normal standard account, um, and the reason also Forex has a lot of advantages is because in trading stocks, by law, through the SEC, you need a minimum of $25,000 if you want to trade more than three times a week, mm -hmm. basically, right? So yeah. um, if the trader doesn't have the knowledge or the experience, basically, in trading, uh, the probability that the trader basically will lose the $25,000 within three months is highly probable. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Very cool. Uh, that's a great analogy. Um, maybe you can take us through your daily routine. What do you do on a daily basis when you trade? All right, great. Um, I actually, to be honest, only trade uh, less than one hour a day. Okay. And the reason being is I think because of uh, the teaching environment. Uh, so, you know, I teach in the morning, basically mm -hmm. on the uh, the US session. Then I have the Asian session, the European session. So. Uh, since Forex is 24 hours a day, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is now 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, I already know what to look for basically while I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. I take notes on the side. So what I what I do is I have five simple steps that I do follow. Uh, step number one is looking at the macro fundamentals. Mm -hmm. looking at the whole global economy and how everything is basically connected. Since everything is connected anyway, whether it be stocks, futures, or forex, um, they, they they are connected in, in some shape, way, or form. Mm -hmm. what, would I, what do I mean by that? Since everything has got to do with price, so if the dollar index is simply going to the upside, then equity markets will automatically drop. So I'm also what I'm looking for is mainly looking for divergence, mm -hmm. uh, since they are more of a leading indicators. And then after looking at the macro fundamentals, looking at gold, oil, or the dollar index, the S&P 500, uh, the Dow and the VIX, and if I see all the uh, connection, whether if they're in the right uh, flow, mm -hmm. where I go through to the next level, uh, which I call uh, looking for uh, evidence. So I go through uh, each and every pair. Major, mainly I focus on the major currencies against the US dollar. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. The ETH is actually the euro against the US dollar, and the reason being is because it has 57.6% in terms of a geometric weighted mean of the dollar index, meaning mm-hmm. that if the dollar index goes up, then automatically the euro will drop. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then I do scan within the five majors, uh, and then I go through multiple time frame analysis from a top down from a bigger time frame or even a smaller time frame. And then I go through looking for an intent, the intention of the trade, whether it will be a uh, momentum trade. Actually, just for one second. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry about that. Um, no, no momentum trade, a day trade, uh, a swing trade, or a uh, trend following trade, mm-hmm. uh, maybe like a position uh, trading. Mm-hmm. And then through there, is the next step for me is I, I go through my risk management and money management strategy based on probabilities. Now, the number one uh, issue I find is that retailers always focus about the win-to-lose ratio. Mm-hmm. Win-to-lose ratio and reward-to-risk ratio, I believe, shouldn't just be the main focus because you might have four wins in a row. Mm-hmm. And it's a good success rate for wins and low a row and one loss. But if that one loss is bigger than your four wins, then you will lose money still consistently in trading. Yeah. Exactly. So what I believe one major factor that traders are mi- basically missing is mainly the probability of winning. Mm-hmm. Meaning to measure it's like playing cards, right? So if you have a royal flush, now you have almost a 99.99% probability that you're going to win. So in that essence, if you have a high probability of winning, then you have to increase your position size. Mm-hmm. Now if you only have a pair, imagine you have two pairs. Number mm-hmm. Two pairs is nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Will you put all in? Said if you're putting all in, then that's a very silly move. So... Uh, in trading, it's also the same, that if you have a good trading system and you have a high probability of winning, then you have a low risk, then you can basically increase your position size. Mm-hmm. And now if you have a, if you're saying you're measuring the probability of winning is say 50%, then, and you have a high risk, then I won't put the trade in. And the reason is because you mm-hmm. have a 50-50 chance with a high risk. Mm-hmm. If I have maybe a 75-80% of winning, and have a low risk, then maybe perhaps I'll put 2% or 3% basically of the account. So mm-hmm. you're measuring uh, the probability of winning, and then you can increase or decrease your position size. I believe position size is everything based on the probability mm-hmm. of winning, absolutely based on the risk. So that is the, the number one that I mainly focus on, because you might have a very good trading system, but if you have a lousy risk management and money management, um, you won't win basically trading, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the last part is profit maximizing strategies. So mm-hmm. creating a strategy based as well on the probability of winning that if target number one, say the probability, because in, in statistics, like in, in trading, you have what we call event probability, right? You only have three events. You go up, down, or sideways. Mm-hmm. So, in my own opinion, if you if we're betting, uh, if you're betting with say 
tossing a die, or your dice, like a die is you have one-sixth probability. Mm-hmm. But in trading, you have one-third, so that means you already, you already have 33% of chance of winning. So it's a pretty high probability. Mm-hmm. So the question is, you know, how can we increase the 33% to close to 90, even 100%? Mm-hmm. Then that 33, that 66% deficit will be done, will be created through your macro fundamentals, looking in terms of the trends, in terms of, uh, I call it the, the energy flow of price, mm-hmm. whether it's the price on the level of supply or demand, and then if you're using some form of indicators to give you more of a boost in terms of your confidence based on your facts, and that will increase your probability of winning. So that being said, if the point of entry already has a high probability of winning, and then your first level of target is within the area of where price is going to reach, then that, that definitely now if your target is very close, mm-hmm. then you have like a 200% chance of winning, and this will increase your decision size once again. Mm-hmm. But by the time target two or target three will reach and it's going against the trend, then your probability of winning that it will reach those target points will decrease significantly. So those are the five simple steps that I basically follow. And and then after that we I do have a trading checklist that I go through uh, psychologically basically based on your emotionality and your behavior. Uh, I call it the be-do-have trading principle. So the being is simply prior to to entering the trade is you are aware of your emotions. Are you in a fear mode or a greed greed mode? Mm. Are you more of a negative state but in a positive state? So if you're in a negative state, then I don't trade. But if you're in a positive state, you're calm, you're focused, you're meticulous, you're disciplined. Then I go through the next step, and there is not a good argument for the five steps. And the having is very simple. You don't really do anything. You're just being patient, um, and you're just waiting for the trade to manifest itself. So all my trades are very mechanical. Uh, every trade has an entry, has a stop, has target points, and you just let it ride. Uh, my only philosophy, basically, in trading is that if I no longer feel safe, my intuition basically says so, then it will supersede all of my trading rules. Um, the, the challenging part about that is to distinguish between the monkey mind and the intuition. Monkey mind is simply your, you know, side is going like, you know, get out, you better get out, you better get out. And, yeah. and you're just like, no, no, I'm not going to get out, because you know, deeply, it's still okay. But if deep down inside in your, your heart, is hurting or you have like a, a butterfly effect happening in your stomach. If that's your part of your intuition says, hey, you better get out, something is bound to happen. Then that's mm-hmm. where I close all my positions and 99.99% of the time my gut feeling always is right. So that's the only exception to my rule. Uh, other than that, uh, everything is very detailed, each and every trade that I do make. And then uh, I don't have to trade. I only trade when I want to trade rather than needing to trade. Um, mm-hmm. So if I've already met my goals, then I do stop trading. So that's basically my whole routine. Uh, meditation is a part of it. Uh, exercising is also a part of it. Having a balanced diet and uh, well-rested as well is very important for me. 
Uh, I'm more of a, a, day, a swing trader, actually. Uh, I used to be a day trader, uh, but I've yeah. changed my way of trading. Sorry, so basically, uh, that's pretty much it. Okay, uh, I cool. find that through um, longer-term time frame, uh, the less I trade, then mm -hmm. the more consistent I am and the more money I make, actually. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, it's all about finding that functionality. Through Correct. Uh, Forexfornoobs.com, uh, they also made uh, a survey. So they took 460 traders, I believe, or mm -hmm. close to 500 traders, and they have found that um, if a trader is trading uh, time frames of one hour or less, then they won't be consistent. So they found that mm -hmm. four hours and above is where traders make money. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, a couple questions as you were um, talking about that. Uh, thank you for the detailed uh, answer. Um, in terms of like dialing up the risk or dialing it down, uh, what's like your minimum risk and your maximum risk that you'll take on trades? Excellent. Um, since uh, the U.S. they changed uh, the NF NFA changed all the rulings uh, since 2009. Mm -hmm. um, normally, we used to have 100 to one, 200 to one, even 400 to one. And since being a 50 to 1, um, my maximum per trade is 10%. Okay. Um, so if I have, a, if I measure the probability of winning almost close to 100%, then I go full out. Um, mm -hmm. Then part of, if it's 50%, then either I go 3% or 4%. Mm -hmm. But if you have uh, a... 70% or 80% with a high risk, mm -hmm. then I still put about 3 or 4%. So it's mainly the, the measurement of the probability of winning and mm -hmm. also the measurement of the risk. So they all do vary. Uh, but if, if I have like a royal flush, then mm -hmm. I go full out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. Because I know a lot of people say oh, you shouldn't risk more than 10%, I mean 2%, but it really does depend on how confident you are in the trades, right? Absolutely. Um, and I guess it also depends on, uh, by the time you're handling now bigger money, of course, then, uh, uh, then the, the risk management will decrease significantly. Um, so mm -hmm. say, well, 100000 is totally different than $10 million, right? So uh, mm -hmm. if once you're getting dealing now with $10 million, then maybe it's not really a smart idea of putting 10% for each trade. Plus the scaling ability anyway, you'll will will change. Um yeah. and because you might be controlling a lot if you're trading stocks or even forex even for that matter. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um what would you say are your biggest strengths and weaknesses as a trader? Um uh, my biggest strength is simply my discipline uh and the integrity part to always be aware of that. Um when I lost almost everything, actually in 2003, my value systems actually changed. Mm -hmm. So that's actually it's interesting how life or the base of the choices that we make. I, I I believe that without that experience in 2003, I won't be doing what I'm doing, like in terms of teaching and giving the awareness to traders about the pitfalls that. Mm -hmm. uh, Trading is not a get-rich-quick scheme, but it takes time, and it's not about the system itself. It's mainly about the psychology aspect. Mm -hmm. um, 
So integrity for me is one of my highest values, actually the number one on my priority list. Mm -hmm. And it is an interesting aspect because to honor your word each and every time is very challenging. Um, mm -hmm. My biggest weakness is uh, sometimes my ego, um, my righteousness. When that happens, then the markets actually definitely, they humble me all the time and they always put me back to, to my own place. Uh, as when you're in trading, you cannot put your ego basically um, in trading. You can't be right. Righteousness is not acceptable. Um, you need to be objective as much as you can in basically in trading. And when, once you're using your belief and opinion about the markets, almost guaranteed you will lose basically in trading. So those are those are my my weaknesses and my strengths. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Um, if you don't mind, can you tell us a little bit a little bit about um, how you came back from that big loss? Like, uh, what made you decide to get back up on the horse? And you know, did you ever think about just quitting at that point? Oh, absolutely. Um, when I lost, basically in two thousand and three. Um, it's almost to a point where it was on a depression state. They didn't want to go out, just want to stay home. You know, you just that feeling of you just want to be in bed and just want to fold. Mm -hmm. And you, you don't want to care anymore, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then basically, I had a coach during that time. And so she told me and said, well, are you willing to quit right now? Mm -hmm. And I said, no. I think because of the sport and, and very competitive um, mm -hmm. I don't give up too easily. Mm -hmm. Because in, in, in Taekwondo, I'm, I'm one of those who are, I need to work hard for something. I'm not one of those very talented athletes, right? Mm -hmm. So in order for me to win, I had to basically work twice as hard compared to the rest. And that's what I found, that if if I don't train, then the odds and probability that I won't make it to, you know, even gold medal or silver medal is very, very, very small. Mm -hmm. So, in trading, simply after finding out my behavioral pattern, I ha I had to make a choice because my boss actually was really nice in the job time. Basically, said that if you venture or whatever you're going to get into, you're going to work out, your job will be here. Mm -hmm. So, I chose not to go back to work. I actually sold half of my properties that was giving me passive income. So, I actually killed the golden goose. Or was it a mistake? Maybe it was, but without without it as well, then I won't be here to where I'm where I'm at today at this point in time. Mm -hmm. So when the properties basically got sold, um, because at one point I was pretending to go to my to my parents' place, pretending I was visiting them, but in actual fact I was just there for food because I, I didn't have enough money to pay for you know, to get something to eat. I didn't have enough money just to pay for my rent and to basically pay for the mortgages for, for the investment properties. Mm -hmm. uh, and also during the time I bought my parents' property and I didn't want to tell my parents that I lost so much because if I tell them, oh man, my parents are going to have a heart attack. Yeah. So uh, when my properties got sold and then I met, uh, you know, I was dating my now wife during the time I moved uh, basically to, to, the US to, be, to the US to be to basically be with her and whilst she was studying, I attended every self-development workshop basically I could find. 
So I attended Anthony Robbins, which I actually did in Australia. I did all of his, uh, of his workshop from Date with Destiny all the way down to Unleash the Power Within. I did Landmark Education. Mm-hmm. I did the Millionaire, Millionaire Mind workshops. So uh, I just wanted to find basically who I was. And I really got more into more of the uh, human behavior. Uh, and then through there, I wanted to know how successful traders really do certain things. And they think differently. They trade differently. And then when uh, I got married with my now wife in 2007, so I moved to the U.S. officially in 2007. Um, and then during during those times as well, my journey was uh, I got involved with other professional traders, and I really wanted to know the way how they trade. So some of them basically trade um, either the New York Stock Exchange or the CME, and simply uh, had to redo everything basically what I learned from trading. I thought I knew trading, mm-hmm. but to be honest, I didn't know anything about trading. Uh, it's very interesting because I had to get rid of everything basically what I learned. And just imagine already created bad habits which I didn't realize, even though the the probability of my system was 70%. And basically, I shared with you know with the mentors and they said, you know, well you're coming to me, so get rid of everything. If you want to learn, then you have to start from basics. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn more about price. I had to learn about supply and demand and simply to get rid of indicators because at the end of the day, they're all lagging. Um, And then uh, when I had the ability or had the opportunity to go visit the trading floor, this basically gave me to see the difference between professional trading and retail trading. Uh, and then my trading results basically actually changed after that. Because I believe there's a third dimension that a lot of retail traders don't see. You know, we see a two-dimensional chart, but we don't see the third dimension between a buyer and a seller. If you're at the trading floor, then you will see everything. You will see the person who's buying, you will see the person who's selling. So. There's something that I call in trading. One, I don't want to be a retail trader mm-hmm. because the retail traders will always lose 100% of the time. Now, I can't be an institutional trader either because unless if you, you know, I get into a job in terms of floor trading or I get a job in institutional type of trading, then I will have more of the advantage. And the reason is because you have all the information basically in the world and you're trading from where the mecca of price basically operates based on news. So whilst you're buying, someone is selling on the opposite end. And I, and I believe there's a pyramid in terms of trading. If you look into a pyramid, the top of the pyramid are your institutions, then you have your hedge fund managers, then you have professional traders, then you have your retail traders, and you have the, I call the bottom feeders, which are now your normal mind cars. Mm-hmm. So, when news is basically comes out, news has already been basically leaked out prior to the news even has been given out. That's why insider information is illegal. Mm-hmm. Institutions will always have the piece of information ahead out of everybody. Goldman Sachs will have that news prior to anybody. So once they have that, and they're now they're buying. Once it, the the news leaks out to the bottom they're now selling because someone has to buy from the bottom, right? So, you know, there's hierarchy when it comes to the price. Mm -hmm. Now, the way how I see it, 
as a trader is I call myself the professional observer. What I mean by that, I mean simply like, let's say, let's take basketball or even football for that matter. So if you are a 49ers fan and you want to place a bet between 49ers and say Dallas Cowboys, and now you're going to go place a bet and who do you think is going to win? If you're not being biased and you're just looking based on statistics, based on players, the coach, the results of the amount of wins and losses they've had, then you will find proper evidence that, hey, maybe 49ers have better chances of winning compared to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, as an observer, you're basically looking at certain statistics based on certain facts and why you want to place a bet on, on 49ers. In trading currencies, it's basically the same. Like the Euro, you know, let's like say World Cup just finished, so you're looking at the Euro, looking at the Germans, and maybe looking at the US. Who is going to win? Well, the Germans are going to win based on statistics. So when we're trading currencies, it's also the same. Why do we have to get into the Euro? Why not the US dollar? Well, we're going to get into the Euro or get to the US dollar is because of the economies of the US getting better, the dollar index is going better, and so forth, blah, blah, blah. You're looking at the GDP, pushing price index, interest rates. So you're looking at all any statistical data that will give you enough evidence and why you want to place a bet on the dollar rather than the, rather than the euro. Mm -hmm. So that, for me, simply you're an observer. You're observing price. You're observing on where institutions are putting their money. You cannot put your money where retailers are putting their money or else you will lose, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So... If institutions are buying, then you have to buy. If institutions are selling, you have to sell. If institutions says basically they're holding, you've got to hold. So that's the way how I see basically in terms of trading. As an observer of mm -hmm. price and as an observer as a trader, is to look for enough evidence based on statistical data that will give you the highest probability of winning. Because at the end of the day, everything's about probabilities. Right? So that is simply when I got that and then learning from professionals and the way how they trade, that increased my success rate so high in, in, in as well in terms of consistency. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, I do not win all the time, but as long as if I know that I'm wrong, then I cut my losses very quicker and then I let my base with profits ride. Mm -hmm. So even if I have a 50-50 win-to-lose ratio, but if my wins are bigger than my losses, then at the end of the month, I'm still basically ahead of the game. Right? So yeah. at the end of the day, trading is the game. We're still gamblers. I just call myself a professional gambler. That's all. <laughs> Not an amateur gambler. You know, because mm -hmm. I, I take trading as a game as a, as a business, not as a hobby. Mm -hmm. Likewise, in sport, there's no guarantees that you're going to win. You're putting a lot of risk on the line for the glory of something. Yeah. Um, there's one show that I love based on the National Geographic called Brain Games. And statistically, based on risk, if they take two between a person who's walking, basically a pedestrian, compared to someone who's riding their bike, riding your bike is safer than you walking, basically, on the street. Hmm. They made a research that 4,000 pedestrians get, basically get killed every year in big mm -hmm. cities, like New York City. Mm -hmm. huh. 
And in trading, we have to take risks, whether we like it or not. But calculated risk. You see, yeah. a novice trader will not accept the risk. And the reason being is they just don't know any better. Mm -hmm. They just trade for the sake of trading. A professional trader will calculate the risk and will accept and take full responsibility of that risk. That's the only mm -hmm. difference between the two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, are there any other common traits that you see in like students of yours who you, who you know will be successful or have become successful before? Um, very interesting the way how you say that uh, when you ask that. Um, every month we have a trading competition mm -hmm. uh, based on one methodology. And the reason that we have trading competitions is I wanted to see based on the way how they strategize basically their trades psychologically. Now the methodologies are objective. It's interesting that if, if, if there's 10 competitors and everyone will, will buy with the same entry point, mm -hmm. why is it then that one person will, will make money consistently over and over again and will profit and some will not? Mm -hmm. So, based on the results is mainly the uh, psychological factor. Some will micromanage their account, some will based on greed, some will be based on fear, uh, some will be consistently m make more money, so they, they accept that they've made a mistake. Some will be more meticulous, some will be more patient. So there's def definitely a lot of emotional factors and why the end result will always change. I believe that every trading system has a 100% success rate in terms of an entry point. Mm -hmm. Where the success rate will decrease significantly is through the point of exit. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because the during aspect will now vary based on the person's psychology. Uh, it's actually really, really interesting. So the, the main purpose of all of the trading competition is for the student to, to create a competitive edge. That by the time they leave the program, they will always have that competitiveness within them. And the reason being it is important to have a competitive edge because trading is a lonely profession. It is so easy to be complacent and to be lazy. It's easy to procrastinate being your own boss. And I believe there's also one issue with retail traders is that if they go to work on a normal 9-5 job, they have some form of responsibility. They have to be at a certain time. They have to do their work because if they don't, then bam, they just lose their job, right? They get fired. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're your own boss, you, you have nobody to report to. It is easy to slip in. It is easy to not to, not to be disciplined. It is easy to just watch TV rather than practicing and doing your uh, normal routine, right? So it's easy to not to be healthy and not to exercise. Mm -hmm. Because in trading, it is important to be balanced physically, mentally, and psychologically, even spiritually, even for that matter, right? So I'm sorry that the interview ended a little abruptly. We had some technical difficulties and it cut off a little bit of the end. So I'm sorry that it's missing, but... Unfortunately, we did catch a good portion of that interview, and I hope you really enjoyed it. If you like this interview and you want to hear more interviews with professional traders and industry experts, you can go to tradingheroes.com. 
And if you liked it, please feel free to give it an honest rating on Stitcher or on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Trading Lifestyle Podcast. To listen to all of the other episodes and get free access to Forex trading tools, tutorials, and resources, visit tradingheroes.com.